Welcome back, everybody, to week two of our 31 Days of Horror, a.k.a. Halloween Havoc. Uh, I was a little bit iffy about putting corruption on the list because, as I said, it was a little bit more sci-fi. Overall, I decided it was horror. Uh, I do have a list of honorable mentions. Don't want to go into all of them because, you know, some will spoil future titles still to come. Um, but there's a couple I can let you know. The Ghost, a Barbara Steele movie, did not make it. Uh, Die Die My Darling, a.k.a. Fanatic, and the Hammer movie Nightmare both did not make it. Uh, they lost out to something we'll be covering real soon. Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, a phenomenal Hammer movie, way more sci-fi than it is horror. Uh, there is a French vampire movie, which should be a big clue. Um, don't worry, there will be other French vampire movies. Speaking of vampires, Crypt of the Vampire did not make it in favor of uh, another movie that we'll cover soon. Um, in terms of anthologies, I'm not the biggest anthology person. They'd have to really, really blow me away. I think last year, even House Drip Blood didn't quite make it. Uh, I would shout out, shout out Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. Uh, Spirits of the Dead is not that great, but the middle segment with Terrence Stamp, Toby Darling is really good. Uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors is an amicus anthology. It's not that great. Um, and the Jess Franco movie Succubus didn't make it, but don't worry, there is still Jess Franco to come. Uh, so this week we journey back to castles, set our sights on some original slashers, witness those cursed by supernatural terror, find more vampires, take a trip into the country, and finally jump into some truly all-time classics. For today, we'll be covering the possibly undead with number 48, Curse of the Living Corpse, a 1964 Del Tenney picture. Uh, this one is something that I had not seen before doing this. So, you know, like I said, any first time watches that are able to make it on the list, especially this low on the list, major, major props. Um, this one is about a family trying to keep a dangerous secret uh it's a little bit in line with if you've seen or heard us talk about lucio fulci's house by the cemetery uh there might or might not be a monster man it's a black and white and um i think it was really ahead of its time um you know like i said i knew nothing about it there's a masked killer um there's a monster person there's a family full of intrigue and deception uh, turns into a little bit of a police thing at the end, but it all comes together. And, um, you know, once you find out the reveal, it could either make or break the movie for you. But I think it's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, speaking of pretty good, our second movie is an off-the-beaten-path Hammer Frankenstein. I would say one of the best, uh, dealing with a much different kind of monster. Obviously, I have not covered Hammer Frankenstein on this list because the earlier ones are in the 50s. Uh, and then there are, I think there's one or two in the 70s, but they're the ones that just aren't that great. Um, so if you don't know anything about Hammer Frankenstein, you know, when you look at the old Universal, people tend to think of the monster, who they would, of course, call Frankenstein. But the contention is, no, that's Frankenstein's monster, or it's Adam, or the Prometheus Man, or whatever. Um... These movies were about the Doctor, who was played phenomenally by Peter Cushing, and he changes in each movie. Um, you know, I make the running joke that 
continuity in something like Texas Chainsaw or Friday the 13th is neither here nor there. Uh, that's definitely the case for Hammer Frankenstein. There is one direct sequel, which is the very second one, Revenge Frankenstein. Um, but then from there it jumps around because sometimes he dies, sometimes he is doing things for the first time. There's a weird like prequel flashback movie where it's played by a different actor. Then it jumps back to Peter Cushing. Um, so while there is technically a monster in every movie, uh, the true monster is always him. So in this one, he's actually probably the least evil. Uh, this one deals with a peasant girl named Christina and her boyfriend Hans. Uh, he's an assistant to Frankenstein who had been kind of on the run at this point. Um, and whereas in all the other movies, he's more focused on a brain transfer or, you know, reanimating life. And this one, he's focused on the concept of a soul. And uh, after Hans is killed, he's able to reanimate his soul in the body of the disfigured Christina, who, of course, when she's brought back, you know, turns into a, a beautiful woman. Uh, and it's almost like a, a proto-slasher itself because she starts seeking revenge on the people who wronged her and her, her boyfriend. Uh, really, really good. Highly recommended. I think this was probably the first Hammer Frankenstein I ever saw. Uh, it's definitely different than all the other ones, but yeah, I, I would definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, so yeah, as far as tomorrow, uh, let's see here. We are going to be looking at some castles. Uh, so I will send you back to the Drac, and he will see you out of the castle. I will catch you tomorrow.